Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because today we have Chris Poliska. He is the CEO of Total Quality, I can't even speak, Total <laughs> Quality Lending. And he's a father, he's a husband, he's a Christian, all those cool things. He's also been a top 1% producer for a very long time. So I'm excited. Welcome to the show, Chris. How's it going, man? Good, man. Super excited to be here. Thanks for doing the show too, man. I know this provides a lot of value. It's not cheap and for you to take your time to help people. And I see you everywhere. So it's definitely working. If I could buy a stock in a person, you'd definitely be somebody I'd buy that stock in. Hey, man, that's mighty high. What's it called? Praise there. So I appreciate that, man. Give us a little background on who you are. Obviously, I, I kind of gave you some plaudits there. Give us kind of the background. Who is Chris? One, why did you get into this crazy industry, the mortgage industry? And what keeps you in this industry? And then, you know, just give us a background on who you are. And, and that. Absolutely. I'll try to give the condensed version because there's a lot of history there. But graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do, got an accounting degree. My dad was an entrepreneur, owned a parking company, a valet parking company. So he wanted me to go the safe bet with the accounting degree. I tried that for like three months and just wasn't for me sitting in a cubicle. Ironically, I crunch numbers now, but uh, it's a lot funner than doing tax audits. But uh, yeah, so I was valet parking cars, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then I had that traditional success thing. Got to find an opportunity where I can make a lot of money so I can have a great family, this dream mm. family. And if I make a lot of money, I can have all these material things, these nice cars, the nice house, the beautiful family, give away some money, all that, right? Your typical, what the world calls success. So I went and tried to chase that down. And when I was valley parking cars at a restaurant called Mastro's in Newport Coast, high-end steakhouse, I started talking to a lot of people there and, oh, what's this guy doing? One guy came in, he uh, was coming in three or four nights a week and that place isn't cheap. I'm like counting the money in my hand. I'm like, dude, this guy's got to be spending like 5,000 uh, a week here at Mastro's. Like this guy makes money. I got to figure out yeah. what industry he's in. And that's what I got to go pursue because- if I can make a lot of money, everything else is going to work itself out. So I happened to meet a vice president of a large mortgage bank who became my first mentor in the business. And he gave me an opportunity. That was it in their call center for eight bucks an hour 10 years ago. So I started from the ground up, hammering the phones in the call center. I always knew I wanted to kind of build a referral business. But that foundation that I laid of consumer direct and talking to a bunch of clients and all that really laid the foundation for me. So that's how I got started meeting somebody on a valet lot, looking for an opportunity to be successful. You got to go look for opportunity. Opportunity is not going to come to you. And that's what a lot of people right now are sitting back thinking it's, well, let's wait for rates to change or all these that you got to go find the opportunity. And if you're taking action and you're in the right areas, talking to the right people and shaking the right hand, something's going to come up, right? But sitting at your desk, nothing's going to happen. So you got to go for that opportunity. But long story short, when I took the job, right, my definite success is I want to be exactly my mentor, right? Like right. from a title position, I want to cut you as a VP of the bank. I want to climb the ladder, get there, make a bunch of money, have a great family, all those things. So that's really all I focused on. 
if I'm being completely honest, right? So I played uh, high school and college football, high school football, modern day local in Orange County, high college football as well. So nice. it was always kind of like an athlete, very driven, worked out a lot, right? So was always into that. And then I got into to corporate America, started in the call center, worked my way up, became a top 1% originator in my second year or first year, one of the two, and then wanted to keep growing, right? So took on the branch manager role. Then I was managing bunch of branches. And then I became the youngest regional manager, I think in the mortgage industry at the time I was like 24, definitely Jeez. a company. And I was running multiple branches in Orange County. And that was pretty much the top of the ladder there. But what came with that was a lot of stress, right? And I got up to 312 pounds when I got that promotion. I went into the mortgage industry at about 205, looking pretty solid. <laughs> Shout out to my wife. She stuck with me all the way up to 312 through the process. And the way down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, and that's when I kind of started questioning everything. Like, what's the real definition of success? What's right. a successful life? And I think uh, money is a great tool, but money without purpose behind it in your life is a meaningless life. And so I went right. on this whole personal development journey and I said, hey, you know, I feel like crap. I hit this promotion. It's not giving me the feeling that I thought it would give me. Not to mention, really doesn't come from a big financial education background. Luckily, I was smart enough when I was 22 in the business saying, I got to buy a house because if I'm going to talk to all these realtors and I'm 22, this young guy, I got to like act like I own one of these things, right? So right. the smallest thing I did was buy a house and started house hacking, the cool term now, right? Started buying- Right, right, right. With, Bigger pockets. With, with Yeah, yeah. With low down payments. But I was really had no education around money. So I was making several hundred thousand, getting close to the seven figure mark. Sad as this sounds, and I like to be vulnerable because I know everybody's in a different spot. And I want to encourage people that you can change. I don't care what your circumstances right now. If you make a decision, you're just sick and tired and done and you say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, which is the situation I got in. I stepped on a scale for the first time in five years and said, enough's enough. It's time to man up. I need to get my money right. Cause what's the point of making all this money? If I got nothing left, I right. was literally a hundred thousand dollars in debt, making several hundred thousand dollars a year, spending my money. What our typical industry does, right? right um, of course. Thankfully, what I'll say is your most painful moments, they serve you the best right? Thankfully, I learned these lessons through the lowest points of my life at 25, right? Because we're at a time right now, if you didn't save any money, you're probably not in the business anymore, right? Right. I said, I'm going to get this figured out. I started reading books about money. How do I multiply my money, right? Luckily, I bought these houses. I had equity in homes. So I was able to get a fresh start and wipe out all my debt. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to make money, but it's not about how much money you make. How much can I multiply, right? And so I started doing those things and I got on my fitness. I lost 60 pounds in about a wow. year, so down to 250. Started feeling better. Was this just curious? Sort of. So this was uh, probably about five years ago now. Okay. Yeah. So about five years, not that long ago. I know five years feels long if you're in a tough situation, but it's really not that long. It was like 18. Um, yeah. Like yep. 2018. Yeah. Yep. 2017, 2018, or no, yeah, 2018. And so I got in really good shape. Started feeling better, right? And started sure. feeling like myself again started working on my mind. Hey, these bad habits that I created, why did I create them? Is there something from my childhood that I need to work through all these things? I got real deep into personal development. Everybody likes to talk about professional, but you can't out earn your identity and your personal 
life. And so you have to work on these things and keep the promises you make to yourself, not only in your business, but with your wife, in the gym, all these other things. Because what I realized during this time, I grew up in a Catholic household, kind of fell away during this time because all I focused on in business and God was my rock at the bottom, right? And I saw it, I became a Christian, saw it a different way. And really it gave me a lot of hope for the future and purpose at Saddleback uh, Church is where I went and really got started. We were talking about early, just having a relationship with faith, regardless of a church relationship, they're two separate things and they can give you a lot of hope in a really hard world. So I got my faith on track, worked on my relationships. Obviously you can imagine my wife probably went through some struggles in our communication when I was working all the time and not home, right? So I had to do some work and man up those relationships. Luckily we didn't have kids. We have four kids now. So they didn't uh, go through that. We're always a work in progress, right? I'm not perfect. My life's not perfect. And that's what I learned, right? Right. You should be chasing your potential till you're dead, right? And that's what a lot of people struggle with. Oh, work-life balance. And you should always feel, if you're chasing your potential, you should always feel out of balance, right? Because you're getting better, but not out of balance in one area, right? Just your business. That's what most people do, which is what runs you to the bottom, right? Right, right, right. So I started working on my faith, my family, my fitness, my health, all that stuff was still in my role in the business. And just one thing that I realized is I really wanted to create an environment that wasn't traditional in any industry, so to speak. It wasn't just about the production. It wasn't about the numbers. We got real, we got raw. And I really felt like God called me to create that and move on from my last company. And one thing I realized is some things in business that were going on in my role just made me feel out of alignment of the other areas of my life. So I started regressing in my fitness again. I started regressing, regressing. And what I realized is it's false. That saying, just go five years of your life, go all in on your business, ignore everything else. And then you'll have all those things is false. Let me ask you, when you go to the gym every day, how much better is your business? Way better right? And your business doesn't suffer because you spend an hour in the gym, right? When you go give to people and you go serve and you go take an hour out serving people, how much better is your business or how better are you for your family when you come home after going to serve somebody in the community, right? So what I realize is all these things go together. So your professional alignment and your personal alignment have to be in alignment, right? And so that's why we started Total Quality Lending, our saying is to help people live a total quality life and faith, family, fitness, wellness, and business, the five categories, and always being working and pursuing in those areas. So ultimately that everything blows up. And if you have a down year in business, you're improving your health and all these other things, you're not hurting your identity. Yeah, it's hard. Life's hard, right? That's just the reality. But when you have purpose and you're pursuing meaningful things in all five of these categories, because business is important, right? money is an important tool to make work, then things are better. So that's kind of my story. We started four and a half years ago or four years ago, total quality lending with that kind of mission and trying to find people who want that alignment. Um, And a big part of our program, which I really enjoy is taking somebody who hasn't done that in their life and showing them that transformation, helping them earn six figures and their wife might be able to stay home because of that opportunity, right? And tying it to family and and serving and giving, having giving goals and all these things to help them live just a more quality of life. So we 
we bring a lot of new people in and teach them from scratch, give them one-on-one -on -one mentorship with our program and show them how to build a business in the industry. So long story short, that's kind of a little bit about my story of the mortgage industry and kind of my journey so far. And I love it. Touch on one thing first. Interestingly enough, the last two people I interviewed also started Intel Marketing and multiple of the people that I've interviewed on this podcast that are top producers also started in yeah. telemarketing, right? So to me, it's like, okay, cool. Like, because you started with the hardest thing first, I don't know if that's because you chose that path or because, you know, that was just what was laid in front of you. But interestingly enough, it feels like the people that started in the hard time. So that's why it's like, you think about like the people that started in 20 and 21, if that's what they expected the, yeah, the industry tough. to be like, now is probably a pretty rough time to be in the industry if you expected it to be the same as 20 and 21. And so it's interesting market. And then, you know, going back to what you talked about with, you know, hey, you, you achieved all these things that you thought was the pinnacle of success and realized that you were, I'm assuming, very unhappy. And I had the same sort of aha moment in my life and business where I did all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I hit the revenue numbers and things like that. Like, these are the yeah. things that I want to do. And I was miserable. I hated my business. Yeah. I hated what I had built. So I totally get that because I think overall, it's hard to sort of discern between what is it that we actually want and what is it that we think we want because of what is told to us that's the requirement, right? I mean, in the mortgage industry, or even as an entrepreneur, there's the hustle culture that's really just kind of glorified, right? Like, yeah. oh yeah, you grind, you do this, you do that. And one thing that I remember my wife, I think this was January of 2020, said something like, oh, I'm doing this for you or for the family. Yeah, She's like, I said, like, you haven't even been here for the last three years. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that sucks. And so, you know, it just kind of started to get me thinking like, okay, well, like, how do I find the balance? And, you know, and it's not balance because like sometimes you're going to work more and other times you can work less. Like yeah. sometimes you can be family more. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it's season. Sometimes you have to work more like hard work's required. Right. And I want to say that like. But that doesn't mean you have to do it the miserable way, which is right. neglect everything else, do it alone, right? Working in isolation is recipe for disaster. 100%. Do it with people that you love, have purpose behind it, hard work with purpose, right? Like that's the key to success. Because I will say, I'll call some people out and I'm guilty of it sometimes. Like there's no way around working hard, right? Like no. there's no secret pony or all these other things. Like there's definitely tricks, but they all take work, right? And you got to actually do the work right? If you want it to work. And I think that's yeah. critical, but the hustle culture says you got to give it all up to go get it. And that's just not true. You got to have well, purpose. And to say that, like I have four kids as well. And it's like to say like, oh, I'm going to do this for a few years. And like, so what I'm going to miss out on five years of my kid's life Yeah, to yeah. build a business or like maybe 10 years or maybe because like we all like think it's going to happen way faster. Like, oh, we're yeah. going to be a billionaire by, you know, in yeah. five years, like, you know, like unless yeah. we're freaking Elon Musk, that ain't happening. You know what I mean? And so I just see like, okay, like I see my kids and I, now my oldest is eight. She turns eight in February. She's seven. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy crap, there's only 10 years until she's like graduating from high school and out of the house. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So like, I'm getting so much more hyper aware right now. Yeah. It's been the last few weeks, really. I've become so hyper aware of that I'm getting older. And like, I'm just like, oh, like I need to be even more intentional. And so, and unfortunately, like, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I try, but I still take the stress home. And then I, yeah. you know, I still bring it up here. So it's like, it's hard to sort of separate the two because. 99% of the time I'm thinking about the business, regardless of where I'm at, right? Like Absolutely. I'm home, I'm sleeping, I'm whatever, like I'm thinking about the business. And so it's like, how do we sort of separate as much as possible and be as present as possible in the specific situations we're in? And so I would say one thing that I've learned and I'm working on is bring your family in the business. Like, right. Like I'll give a marriage tip is I sat down with my wife, like what's your wife's dreams? 
most people can't answer what their wife's dreams are. Right. And so right. one thing I did really good, that's really helped me with that feeling is I brought my family in the business, right? Like this is our business. My kids come in and play on Saturdays in the office with me, right? I'm teaching them. Right. So mm -hmm. I do these things every day. I work on these categories every day. So I don't, it's not out of balance and I bring my family on the journey. Right. And nice. I think that's a critical thing. Like, yeah, my wife's great. Like, she's not all into the business, right? Like she's not into the revenue numbers and the goals right, and all right. that, but she is because I'm like, Hey, honey, what's your goal? What goal is this? Okay, great. Well, I relate her goal to what we're doing in the business. This is our business. She has the harder role at home taking care of the family, right? So bring your family in on the business. Most of the time we just work in isolation and that's what yep. causes a lot of those feelings. And that's been 100%. super helpful for me. I'm always aware of like, all right, am I working in isolation or am I bringing my family into this? Like, right. Like, Hey, and cause different seasons are going to require different work and every right, of course. Your fitness, your business. Sometimes you're going to have a family crisis. You're going to have to put the business, the hours down to go tend to a family crisis. Right. Right. So, of course. I yeah, agree, man. That's huge. And you know, it is something that I've been super, adamant of it's like you know my wife has a job she works you know she works yeah. part-time but you know it's like she's not super interested in what i do i'm sure yeah. half the time she's like what are you talking about i'm talking about ai online talk about yeah. marketing making fun of people and all that kind of fun stuff and she's like ah what do you tell you why do you post so much i'm like you know what i'm trying to grow a business okay you know yeah. what leave me alone yeah you, know, you just gotta know what the benefit is for her if you grow yeah business. yeah yeah bring her in on that journey so she yeah. can <laughs> you know what you know how those amazon packages keep showing up no, I'm just kidding. But no, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. You know, because I think it's important, especially in a market like we're in today, dealing with, you know, mindset, dealing with those types of things. And funny enough, you know, I used to think Tony Robbins and people like that sort of woo people were kind of like snake oil salesmen because yeah. coming from a Christian background, like they're like very adamant again. And then I realized, oh, wait, you know, all this personal development stuff, not all of it, but most of it is even biblical. Right. And so it was right. like, okay, well, like personal development's great. And I also realized how much, you know, the physical body, you talk about fitness, physical body, like for me, I'm ADHD. And so if I don't get to the gym, I start to feel like antsy. I start to yeah. get more anxiety. Like I do breath work in the morning as well, especially right now because of, you know, the market we're in. So how do you one for yourself, but then also, you know, you have a team, you have people that rely on you. How do you coach them or lead them with their mindset within this sort of, you know, time frame, or I guess anytime? Yeah. So I think there's, few critical things that you have to have. And I think you didn't have to have before. And it's why a lot of people are hurting and struggling and their mindset is tough and they feel stuck. And this is anything in your life, but really in business. And I think in our business, we do have a lot of freedom, right? Necessarily, depending on your model, you don't have to show up. Like we're not here to micromanage people, right? We want to help them reach their goals. Sure. Um, I hate micromanaging people. Right. So there is a lot of freedom in our industry, but that can come as a con, right? And so yes. what we coach our team and what I do by example, right? Lead by example is I run a program. You have to be running a program. What program are you on, right? Like what's your structure? Accountability, right? So those are the three things that you need to have. Everybody needs accountability, including the leaders, right? Yes. Like I check in every Saturday with people, right? Like I have my accountability partners. Like if you're not doing that, you're going to fly in the wind. The market's hard. You're my, you get more negative thoughts and positive thoughts, right? So you can get derailed real quick. And so we need structure, right? Like you need to be in the office or you need to have some sort of structure. You pick your structure, right? If you're in that type of model or environment, but it's got to be something. Our brains don't work flying in the wind, right? Like if you think about 
like what a home does, like going to a home, that structure, the feelings it gives you, right? Your home, right? Like that gives you a feeling. Like if you have no structure in your business and your day-to-day life, you're gonna have anxiety and have more negative thoughts, right? So I think structure and then a program. What program are you running? How many calls are you making a day? Who are you making calls to? You know, we were talking about that earlier. What are your buckets? I'm a big fan of buckets. Like I've always been a fan of buckets, and I'll explain what buckets are, but people are like, what? You like buckets? Kind yeah. of a weirdo, are you? Yeah. Where I'm pulling my business from, right? Right. Like, a lot of people have their eggs and it should be a basket, right? Eggs in one basket. Yeah, right. One bucket for me, right? You can't put all your water in one we got bucket. buckets of eggs. We got yeah. all the buckets of eggs around here. So, and a lot of that for most people is realtors, right? right. But the demand's down, sales are down. If you're only working with realtors right now, like you're just at the mercy of when their business picks up, right? right? Don't put yourself in that position, right? You need to have your different buckets and you need to be running a program that you're actually doing, taking action in those buckets, right? So for our people, it's hybrid. We have leads, right? Online leads, which you're really good at, right? And generating and you believe in, right? We're, yeah, we're doing leads, right? Like retail people should be doing leads, right? You can leverage the opportunities, the lifetime value of a client. Like why wouldn't you do leads? Like everybody hates on leads, but- all the top producers I know are getting leads. I call it a bucket, right? Like it's just the consumer bucket. Right, right, right. right. Consumer bucket. I got the realtor bucket. I got the CPA bucket. I got the real estate investor community bucket. I got, you know, all my different buckets. And that's what we teach our folks. There's so many opportunities that you're missing because you're only focusing on one bucket, right? Right in front of you. And so I think having a structure and focusing on your buckets, but running a program, having a daily structure and being accountable. Those are the three things you need. I hear a lot of people talk about like, now's the time to work on your systems. It's like, no, now's the time to take action, right? Not work on your systems. You should always be working on your systems. Right. Always. You should always be trying to improve your customer experience. And guess how you you improve it by more feedback, by helping more people, right? So I think that too, is you got to take more action. Stop just working on your systems because the rates are high, right? There's plenty of people making money, not as much as there was before, but there are people making money. If it's possible for one person to make money, then it's possible for others to make money, right? But the difference is they're not just sitting around waiting for rates to come down and working on their systems. And I hate when people say that, hate's a strong word, but it just fires me up when people are like, yeah, this is the time to tune your systems. No, now's the time to take action because your identity is taking a hit, right? We all have oh, 100%. Your, ego, your ego is taking a hit, right? This You need to be humble and you've got to build your identity so you can have resilience because you're stuck right now and you keep waking up the same day and it's the same thing and the same feelings. And so I think the most important thing you can do right now is build your identity. And how do you build your identity? By keeping the promises you make to yourself and taking action. Like that's it every single day. And that's really what I focus on in all these categories of my life. No matter what cycle we're in, I'm always taking action and trying to build who I am and my confidence, right? Because that's the number one thing that holds us back is our fear, right? When you take action, it eliminates a lot of your thoughts and your fear. Well, and that's building confidence, as you mentioned, building confidence comes from doing the things that you say you're going to do. Right. Yeah. Like that's one Keeping of the things that problems. we don't realize is like, you know, the more times that we say, Hey, we're going to do this and then don't do it. That's a hit to our confidence, a hit to our confidence. Hey, like we're not following through on the things that we want to do. And so we lose confidence. Go ahead. I'll give you one example of that, like just live that I think is good. And this is how our brains work, right? So me and you have rescheduled this podcast two or three times, 
Yeah. Um, and you've been busy. I've been busy. And I'll be honest, when I woke up this morning, I had a really busy day. And what my mind wanted to do is cancel this interview, right? And I started to justify why I didn't have to do that. You want to know why I'm on this interview? Because the other side of me said, I'm not a person who keeps my word. And I can't have that, right? I need to keep the promises I make, not for Luke, for Chris, right? And so that's why I'm on this podcast and wanted to meet you. But I hate rescheduling a million times, but really that's how our brain works. And that's how I was like, no. I'm not going to listen to this justification of, yeah, well, because I justified why I have all these other things to do that are actually productive for the bit. But that's all BS, even though that could be true. Like, I, yeah, yeah I could of course. Make phone calls right now. The thing is, I would be breaking a promise that I made to myself because I put this on my calendar and I said I was going to do it. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that's a prime example. And we don't even realize that's going on most of the time. And you have to be self-aware of that. And that solves a lot of your problems. A hundred percent. That is something that I think is, especially in this mortgage industry, because to a certain extent, there's a reactive element to being in this industry, right? In the mortgage industry, there's, you know, a lot of industries you can kind of like, you know, and you and you should day part, you should really have a time block schedule, but things happen. There's fires that happen, things come up. But, you know, one of the things we notice is like, the people that tend to no show, we have like demos and you know our discovery calls and stuff like that. Like the people that no show tend to no show again. Yeah. Right. They no show once, they no show again. Like they tend to be serial no showers. And to me, I'm like, okay, if that's the way you run your business, like if you have something on your calendar, rescheduling is like those people are a little bit better. But the people that like just no show, like that is how they run their business. Like they're yeah. probably doing that to other people. Like they're not just doing that to us; they're doing it to other people. Because yeah. and those are, are more important than we think. They're, of they're course. more important than some of the marketing strategies that we have. The tactics, and, right? Yeah. And yeah. all that stuff. And so I think that's important. Sure. Um, I wanted to talk about the buckets. But before we get to that, you talked about program a couple of times. Just want to kind of get specific for the people listening to this. What do you mean by that in terms of program is this like daily actions that you're taking so like you know on mondays you're doing x on tuesdays you're doing this or is this like a daily like every day of the week you kind of have a program or like what does that sort of look like in a more like tactical practical way that people can yeah take so for us like that's just calls every day right gotcha. so and then every day we call our leads right sure like of course that's what we're doing right now so every day we're calling our leads and that could be realtors that could be consumers because we are getting leads, buying leads. So don't overcomplicate it too. I think we try to like, oh, well, Thursday's realtor day and this day, and then people get overwhelmed, right? Like this thing is a lot more simpler than you think, like make a hundred calls a day, right? Like if you just did that, and if you're doing none right now, make 10 calls a day next week and then make 20 and then make 30 and then make 40, right? And so I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. So you got to kind of meet yourself where you're at. And so that's kind of what we run is, yeah, we'll give a little specific direction, but it's like, just, you got to talk to more people today. Definitely. I can give you specifics on who I would be calling right now and what I see working that a lot of people that probably aren't taking advantage of just market insight of what you should be targeting. Yeah. I mean, what I think is cool is I always tell people like most people that are in sales, like 90% of the day is spent on things that are not revenue generating activities. Yeah. Most people, especially if you're struggling. The biggest thing is I tell people like, if you can commit minimum of two hours per day of prospecting activity, whether it be calling leads, calling realtors, calling whatever, like you're going to be better than 90% of the people out there. Let's just be honest. Most people are chasing conditions. They are putting their files through, they're dealing with fires and they're not prioritizing revenue generating activities like calling, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, that's I talk about calling leads all the time. 
Yeah. I don't just mean calling the internet leads. I mean, call every lead, every yeah, cyber exactly. lead, right? Realtor leads, you know, whatever it is, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like call them, pick up yeah. the damn phone and call them. Like just stop relying on automation. Stop assuming people are just going to come and fill out your application and then yeah. you're going to work on it. Like, I don't know. To me, it's like you can offset all of this with hard work. And I know I'm a millennial and yet I still know that the best way is to call. I mean, yes, text. By all means, yeah, text, text twos, yeah, calls twos, that's all. But you got to go create the opportunity. And that's yeah. where most people are struggling. And just don't overcomplicate it. Just meet yourself where you're at and start. Like, just yeah, get, yeah. start today, you know? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the buckets you have. Or, I mean, you, know, you, you talked about what's working right now. Like, what do you see that is working the best in this market that we're in? Obviously, we're here. This is being recorded on the 1st of December, maybe out in a couple of weeks. But what's working right now? in this market as you're seeing it? I don't want to dismantle the chaos going on right now in the market. It's definitely hard, right? Um, Demands down, media is crazy about the industry. Recession gets people scared, right? Consumer sentiment is down, which is hard for our business. Interest rates up, consumer sentiment's down, right? And so you do definitely have to get creative. What you did before, you know, and for us, a lot of our business before came from realtors. And I can tell you right now, we've seen a 70% shift in that. We still work with realtors, we still, but their business is down. So if we right. replace that. And so one thing that I've realized, which this is a good tip and, and take what it's worth, like I'm on the floor with my guys making calls. Yeah, like, things do get it. hard, I get back on the floor and get with my guy. Hey, I'm here, we're gonna do this together, right? I don't really yeah. always do, but like now I'm more hyper aware. Like I'm right. here on Saturdays with them. I'm doing the extra effort to help them grind it out and build the resilience. And why? Because I also want to know what's going on. Right. right. I don't want playing telephone of them telling me what they're hearing, what the consumers are saying or what. Right. I want to know for myself. I can pick up on signs when talking to borrowers, right? Like, what are they feeling? And how do we overcome right. this to do more business in a tough market, right? And one thing that I realized is the traditional loan officer that is going after buckets, you know, realtors, all that other stuff, a lot of those folks, their primary consumption of buying a home is for safety, security, and pleasure, right? right. Oh, I need a bigger home for my family. I'm buying my first home, right? So majority of the transactions are folks that see it as that, right? Whether they're a first time or a move up. And the reality is if people have a 3% rate right now, they're not moving up, right? They're staying where they're at, right? So right. that business is is kind of died. And then you have first-time home buyers, which is a big part of the market. And I can just tell you, because I run our data and analytics, for every 10 pre-approvals we do for a first-time home buyer, maybe one transacts. Two years ago, that was a different number, right? Like 50% uh, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And why? Because there's sentiment, right? About interest rates, about the market, right? They're scared. Right. And we educate people. We teach on how to educate them and explain, hey, this is the best time to negotiate your price. Right. You're right. Right. Do this in 10 years, which I believe is true. This is the best time to buy real estate because you can renegotiate your rate, which I think will happen next year. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. At some point. But the reality is, as much as you can tell that these folks have limiting beliefs, they already were nervous and then they have all the outside world pressure. And so less and less of those folks are transacting. Right. So you need to find somebody, client, a consumer, right, or realtors who work with these folks that have a real estate wealth building mindset. Right. I buy real estate to build wealth. Not right. just for my family, not just for the extra room or the backyard, because when consumer sentiment's down, those folks aren't going to make that. They're too fearful, right? But when you got people that are like, understand what I just explained, 
right? Those people are transacting. So 70% of our business is from real estate investors. Oh, wow. Interesting. You you should figure out how to get and start working with some real estate investors because they don't care. It's just an equation for them. It's not emotional, right? Okay. Yeah. Interest rates are eight. I can negotiate this property for X. My cash flow is 200 bucks a month. Yeah. I used to want to be at 400 in 2017. I'm okay with 200 still works. It's just a numbers game, right? And so you got to have folks and there is consumers that are not like professional real estate investors that have that mindset too, right? Sure. So you figure out a way to find those folks, whether that's through CPAs, your realtors, your buckets, right? So there's people that niche and focus on that. And I can tell you, if you're focusing on that niche in the current market without ignoring all the other stuff, because it's going to come back. So you don't want right. to got to be working the buckets, right? That doesn't mean you don't call your realtor who only works with first time home buyers ever again, right? You keep working those. But that's really what's been working for us is we're really targeting those communities and those folks that are doing those things. So, yeah, I mean, like in every market, there's a real estate investor meetup, you know, like there's one tip, right? Maybe you should be showing up to the next real estate investor meetup. How do you meet more people that are investing in real estate? Because right now with high interest rates, it's just a numbers game for them and for consumers that are just consuming it for safety, security, and family purposes, which is important too, a safe home for their family. I talked about that earlier. They're just too scared. Less of them are transacting right now. And as much you can educate them and people talk about that, well, we got this real estate wealth education. We're doing that. It's hard. They just, there's a lot of fear in in the marketplace. The other reality is less of them are qualifying right now too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially because I know you guys stuff in California, which is a very hard, state for affordability right now. I mean, it always has been, but especially right now, I think I talked with somebody the other day that said like only 16% of people living in San Diego can afford to buy a house right now. 16%. Affordability leads to the second tip. Maybe you should be looking at a different market. So I personally, our headquarters is in Orange County, or it was, I moved my family out to Indianapolis one year ago, right? And people called me crazy. The only reason we're still in business is because I moved to Indianapolis and we started helping people on the East Coast. Why? Because mm. five, six, seven out of 10 people can qualify, right? right? Now, another stat for every 10 pre-approvals we're doing in California, only one can qualify, right? And so those numbers are skewed, the affordability in California. So 80% of our business last year was in California. 25% of our business is in California now, right? Mm. And so we made a whole strategy shift into the East Coast market. We're still doing our California business. We're still maintaining those relationships, but we've targeted markets that people can still afford to buy homes, even those first-time home buyers. Here in Indianapolis, you can buy a home for $400,000. i am still getting probably four or five out of 10 of those consumer for the purposes of safety and stability people that will transact versus one in California. So I would say that's two is you got to change up your game plan. I would say those are two tips is how do you find people that look at real estate as an investment? How do you find that person either through your, your referral partners or direct? And then two, how can you get into another market? Especially if you're in a California and a high price city, balance your business. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things we've been doing. Anybody who's in California would say like, you have to run statewide. What we should be really doing is running places like you know, Riverside, Yep. Places where, you know, Fresno areas where, you know, you do find houses for four, five, six hundred thousand. I mean, because the median price here in San Diego is, I think, a little under a million, which yeah. is like, okay, cool. Like, how many people can afford to buy that at 7% interest rates? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and so one thing I wanted to talk about as well is 
one of the biggest things that we deal with as marketers is like so many people are like, I want to be in this local 15 mile radius. How do you shift out of that perspective? Because I'm a believer of like, you're a loan officer, you can do transactions in the entire state. You can do transactions across multiple states, but obviously the consumer direct guys can understand that the typical referral only type people struggle heavily to have those conversations. So how do you have a conversation with prospects that are in other markets that maybe aren't super local to you because everybody's like, Oh, I want a local person. It's like, no one actually cares about the local person. Let's be honest. Yeah. Most of the time you're not going to see them in person. Yeah. Well, I asked myself the question, right? Cause I had to overcome that block too. Okay. I said, how many people did I meet in the office this year? How many people did our loan officers meet in the office this year? I mean, less than 20%. COVID right. changed everything, right? We might've met more people then, but now, so I think you got to get yourself unstuck on that by asking yourself that question, which will hopefully open. Okay, I need to be open to this and yeah. willing. And then just, you got to find better ways to build rapport with those folks. But I mean, we're closing people across the nation right now yeah. that we don't see they don't come into our office, but we have to increase our value, right? So right. we do a Zoom presentations, right? Which separates us from the consumer direct who's got a bare bottom rate just on the phone with them, right? Like we have to add our value, right? We're connecting resources with them, whether that's agents in these markets, just doing a lot more. And a video is the best, right? Right, of course. The next best thing is a voice note. And then a call and then probably a text, in my opinion, right? Of actually building rapport with somebody. Right. right. So you got to do those things. Where are you on that ladder? Are you sending video? You know what I mean? So those are different ways that you can still build the same rapport, even in clients in your current market, right? You pigeonhole your business if you only go the local 50 mile radius. Agreed. And consumers are open to transacting, especially young folks. Man, I can't tell you how many transactions that we've done with young folks. We never even had a phone call with them. It's weird to me. I'm like, right. hey, I'm like, do you want to hop on the phone? Like, you want to do, oh, whatever, cool. I'm like, what? So things are changing and you got to be open to the landscape of who the client is and adapt yep. changing what's going on, right? And so that, I would say that would be my topic on that and some of the things that you can do to open up more opportunity. Yeah, man, for sure. And then if you were like to go out there today and you'll start a business, whatever, right? Like what is like one strategy or tactic that you could suggest for loan officers right now to go out and get business today? Probably like what I said, Google real estate investor meetup. I guarantee there's not a lot of lenders attending those and go meet some real estate investors in your local market. I think that could be one thing you could do right now after this call is, is go look up that information. And then the normal stuff is call your realtors, call new realtors. I think another thing that people miss an opportunity on is any of their closed loans. I can't believe how many folks that haven't done this. Number one, called their client. That's a basic one. But call all the agents and everybody on those. Like if you need leads, like I think you should go get some consumer direct leads. And you could talk to Luke about that. But yeah. <laughs> you got to call the leads though. You got to call the leads though. If you don't call them, you're going to say they're crappy leads, which yeah. is just the truth. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I would say that. Go to your closed loans and see who those listing agents were. Call those today. Go Google a real estate investor meetup and go maybe meet a different person that's transacting in your marketplace. Those would be a couple of things that you could do right after this call that I recommend. Is, is this for like non-QM type of loans with the investors? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, what is I mean, I, I can't tell you how many folks have been sitting on a lot of cash that have great W-2 income that are investing in real estate right now. Gotcha. Okay. 
it's not only traditional, you know, like non-Kiontai yeah. people. It's, yeah, but that is a big opportunity too. We are sure. doing quite a bit of DSCR business right now. Okay. So yeah, so non-QM is good as well. But most of these, what's been crazy going through this journey is how many people have great incomes and only own one property and are in the marketplace right now. And they thought the recession was coming for two or three years that are sitting on 300,000. Wow. And they've been educating themselves through these bigger pockets and social media and boot camps and all these different things. And they're going to these investor meetups to learn about how to get funding and how to do these strategies that are ready to go. They're not scared because they've done all this education. So that's what I would say. Nice. In terms of this market, what's the main thing that loan officers should sort of think about on a daily basis? I think the biggest thing is getting yourself in a positive momentum mindset, kind of some of the stuff that we talked about. I mean, for right. me, I'm up at 4.30, I'm at the gym, I read my Bible, I get some quiet time, I do all that stuff in the morning, I get my mind right to come in and conquer the day. And so if you're not doing some of that stuff, you got to start your day, you're not looking at your phone, not reacting, kind of just getting in prime positive thinking position to be successful. And there's still a lot of people that don't do that. Even though you do that, it's still hard, but it makes you hard easier. You know what I mean? Then it yeah. doesn't do none of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm big on that. Just being in positive mind, be around people, right? Find a way to get around people, community, good people. Though. Um, yeah. Not complainers. Not yeah. Not negative people. people. Get around yeah. positive people, good, positive people. Find yourself a way to get in those environments more regularly. That'll help your mindset. And I think a lot of things right now, people know what to do. I think we talked about a lot of good insight here that yeah. might be different than they're doing right now. But I think the biggest thing they need to do is work on their mindset and being positive and then just taking those little action steps on a daily basis to build that outside of the normal business strategy to survive and thrive you know i agree man anytime i do like a coach especially right now i do like a coaching call with a loan officer it always kind of starts with all right what does your morning routine look like like before yeah. we get into tactics before we get into strategies before we get into daily like what are you doing in the morning like what time are you getting up you have a morning routine are you going to the gym are you drinking water like what are you doing in nine times out of ten they're not doing any of that stuff and i get it because like when you get into a dark place like yeah it's hard to get on you stuff. don't want to do those types of yeah. things right and so like it all comes down to like all right well you need to start like just tell yourself i'm gonna get up it doesn't have to be 4 30 like i get up before 45 but didn't start that way like you yeah. know it's like i used to get up at 5 30 right and then it was like all right well now 5 15 now 5 now 4 45 and then you know like i go to the gym too i get to the gym at six i go i charge my tesla i do some breath work i listen to some you know positive stuff <laughs> and i go to the gym and work right and it's like you know that's a huge piece of the mindset again i mean the tactics and all that stuff are great, right? We have some tactics in this you can take away and, and implement yourself and your business. But if your mind is not right, the likelihood of you implementing those tactics and strategies. You won't do it. You got to get in a positive mindset. I think another thing is find an accountability partner that's yeah. not negative, which there's folks out there that are still positive because they're doing this type of work. You have to. And have somebody that'll hold you accountable when you don't want to do it. I think that's critical too. 100%. And maybe it's a coach, maybe it's an accountability partner, maybe it's a mentor. I don't know what it yeah. is, but find someone that'll hold you accountable. It's 100% true. So one thing that kind of was crazy for me, obviously you can see I've gone from like learning out the brain and all this other crazy stuff to like not 25. I had read one whole book in my life. Like right. so a lot can change. <laughs> like I had read like pages of the book. Now I read 30 books and do all this research plus do all this other stuff and right. 
you can expand your capacity sure. um, fairly quickly. But one thing that I found out too is just you got to trick your brain into progress, right? So sure. one, there's a big study that was done at Harvard about what releases dopamine. And I just say this because the thing is like, you don't have to make these drastic shifts, but it's like waking up 10 minutes earlier. That tells your brain that you're making progress. It's mm. To you, it might not seem, but it does to get you positive. But one thing that makes you happier and releases that dopamine is perceived progress, not the actual result, not the actual outcome, but that you are making progress in your life, right? And so you can trick your brain into these little things. And I think so many people get tied to the outcome and, well, I only did two loans this month or 10 loans this month or whatever it may be. And I used to do 20 and all these other things, like detach from the outcome and get committed to the progress, right? Because with the progress, the rest happens. And so. Well, and you talked about dopamine, man. That's been a big thing that I've been researching because I didn't even get diagnosed with ADHD till last year. So I didn't even realize I had all these things now, you know, now looking at it, I'm like, holy crap, that's all the stuff I dealt with. But yeah, you're right. I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't know if it was a YouTube video or a book or what I learned this concept of like, you know, when you attach the dopamine release to the outcome, it actually creates this like burnout sort of sensation because like you hit that thing and you're like, well, now what? That was the promotion for me, right? That's when I first learned yeah. that. Like, it, yeah. you know, I got to detach from the outcome and pursuit of potential and progress in my life. Yeah, yeah. And when you tie the dopamine release or like the reward, which is the dopamine release to the journey, the progress, the actions that you're taking every single day, that's when you can sustain, you know, that longer period of time. So yeah, man, that's a huge thing. Again, there's a lot of concepts we talked about today. I don't want to make this go way too long. So to sort of wrap things up, if someone wants to connect with you, learn more about you, your company, what you're doing, what's the best way that uh, people can find you online? So probably Instagram at Chris Poliska or at Total Quality Lending. You can see a lot of stuff we're doing there. I think this is a business of learning from people doing different things and sure. repeating that in your own authentic, unique way, right? Don't recreate the wheel. So on both of those, message me all about helping people. You asked me why I stayed in the industry. There was a lot of opportunity for me to make a lot of other money, but I feel like God called me to stick this out impact purposes because we're in a dark place and mm -hmm. i went through all this pain right in my life to ultimately help people in this situation not only people in my company but get through harder times and so i get that question there why did you stay because i have a lot of opportunities to make a lot more money and i do other things i have other businesses this is my main business but other businesses that would probably be easier to do right now and that's why i stick it out right because there is darkness we all need to be together we all need to help each other there's so much business out there there's so much opportunity out there and we all just need to help each other be positive and be that accountability partner so reach out to me i'd love to help in any way i can if i can provide feedback and i love it i honestly feel the same way i went through some dark times and 2022, we got sued and some other things happened that was like, you know, I feel the same way as like, you know, I feel like I was getting prepared for something and I still feel like there's some preparation yep. for something that's kind of bigger than myself and bigger than what I do right now. And so just continuing to follow the journey is it's hard. Like you said, it's hard every day, man. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot easier things every day. I'm like, man, why am I doing this? I could do some yeah. easier things, make more money, you know, like not have to worry about this. I have all these employees that I'm having to feed and like, it's yeah. a tough market, you know? So there's a lot of things going through my head on a regular basis too, because you know, when you run the business and you have all this overhead and you all, you know, all of a sudden you're like, yeah. man, maybe I should go back to, when it was just me and a virtual assistant. That was better, right? You yeah. know, was it though? Like, you know, I don't know that it was Nothing better. the impact of helping people. That's the thing is that's, that's true. What you got to remember, you know. That's true. 100%, man. So yeah, for me, like, you know, it's just a couple takeaways that I got from this was one, you can change, right? I mean, you know, 
hyper successful, at least kind of from the external perspective, but really everything, you know, sounded like a lot of that was broken. And then, you know, being able to shift and and over the last five years have really sort of transformed the way you view everything, which I think is fantastic, because I do think that there's going to be an equivalent with most people that have achieved any sort of success. There's sort of these like you chase and you sort of break and then all of a sudden, oh, well, here's my reinvention. And now I'm going to do it in a healthy, sustainable way. Hopefully people meet that sort of, you know, maybe you can learn from our mistakes, but it is huge. And then my other takeaways are like, you know, just diversify your income, diversify where you're getting your leads. I mean, so many people yep. are so stuck on referrals yep. that they neglect everything else. And I get it. Referrals are the best leads. I'm not going to deny that. Referrals yeah. are the best leads by Absolutely. far. For sure. The whole point of having something like consumer direct or, you know, other avenues is because you have a stability that you don't get with just being referral only and stuck to, you know, maybe five people, right? You know, yeah. again, if you have a system to acquire more realtors on a daily, weekly basis, that might work for you. But again, I mean, you know, you've talked about it, you're down 70% on your realtor stuff. Yeah. That's the reality of the market. They're all down. So I have more realtors, right? My guys have more realtors, but still not the demand we need to get yep. where we want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, you know, that to me was like the biggest takeaways on consistency, right? Doing the work every single day, showing up regardless if you want to or not, you just do it every single day. So that was my big takeaways from today. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. Absolutely. Value bomb after value bomb. So thank you so much for that. And for anybody who is listening, who does need some help or wants to learn some ways that they can flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.